All right. So if you will, if you will this morning, just turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just going to check with glory. Our level's good. Okay, great. All right, super. Very, very good. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So good to see everybody this morning. It's really exciting. Just very, very nice crowd this morning. We're just thankful for everyone that's online and everyone that's on site. And just excited about the uh, Keeping It Real series. We're coming down the stretch. As Casey Coleman used to say, rounding third, heading home. And uh, I'm um, just uh, thankful for all of you. Uh, just on this journey with us as we try to go from Genesis to Revelation and uh, just find some real truths to apply to our real-world lives throughout every book of the Bible. Amen? Amen. How many of you have notes from all the way back in the beginning when we started in January? Who has the whole thing? All right, Bakara, Sister Annie, Sister Mary. Okay, cool. Very good. So if you're missing any, here's the exciting thing. The exciting thing is that they're free, and the exciting thing is that I have every one of them on my computer in a file, but here's the really exciting thing. Since we've come back inside church on July the 11th, every last one of the uh, sermon notes are on the back table, right back there by Mark and Jada and Grayson. All of those notes are on that table, so feel free to just... Grab as many as you want. Give some to friends. You can make paper airplanes out of them. Whatever you like. Just, you know, just please help yourself. Who knows? You might just fly one of those planes out your window and they land uh, on somebody's car and they start reading it. And next thing you know, they come to Jesus. Hey, crazier things have happened. <laughs> it's, it's certainly possible. Amen. So I just pray that. I pray that you make yourself... Uh, that you avail yourself to them, either online, because they're on our site, as well as uh, in writing. And, of course, we send out a copy of them through U.S. mail and through email every week. Okay, to the glory of God. Real returns, 2 Corinthians 5. We're, we've moved all the way through the Bible, and we're now in 2 Corinthians. And I decided that since we've studied Thessalonians on Wednesday nights, hopefully you've come to the Wednesday night classes I pray that you've learned something from them. Um, I combined some passages from 2 Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians because it's all talking about this one amazing theme, which is being ready when Jesus comes. Amen? So let's just read this together. Uh, you can read uh, silently, and I'll read out loud. It says in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, verse 1, For we know that if the tent which is our earthly home, is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in his tent, in this tent, we groan, longing to be put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, don't we? I mean, this, is, this tent, this is our body. We're going, we go through things. We go through sickness. We go through pain. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. This is the English Standard Version I'm reading this morning. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And yeah, I'm glad Layla has it up there in the NASB. 
if you want to follow it on there on the screen. It says in verse 5, of, first of 2 Corinthians 5, He who has prepared for us, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Wow, isn't that good? That kind of harkens back to Ephesians chapter 1, I believe it's 113, where he gives us the Spirit as a down payment. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is our, is, it's our promissory note. It is our guarantee, it's our assurance of salvation. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't just make an empty promise. He gives us God the Spirit to live in us. God the Son died for us. God the Spirit lives in us. And God the Father looks over us. We just got God all through and up and down and around us. What a safety net. What a, what a sense of security God gives us. Boy, that is so exciting. It goes on to say, so in verse 6, no wonder Paul says, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. Amen? Yeah. I'm going to skip over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is another passage that we've studied, and sometimes we read this at home goings. I think we should read this all the time because we should encourage ourselves with these words. Here's what it says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you'll follow along with me. I'm going to start at verse 16. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, the vo with the voice of an angel, and with the sound of a trumpet. The King James Version, I believe there, says with a shout. Uh, I love that. The, the uh, verse, um, uh, verse 16, I believe, says that he comes with, with a shout. First Thessalonians 4, 16, and later when you can. And it says, it goes on to say, um, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17 says, Then we who are alive, who are left, who remain, some translations will say, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we be always, so will we always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Let's encourage one another with these words. Mary, Sister Mary uh, Favors and Coach and myself were talking a few minutes early before Bible class this past Wednesday. And Mary was saying that she's not always fond of Revelation because it's some really scary stuff in there. And I get it. I think we all probably share that thought to some extent. But let me just tell you what. The book of Revelation starts out similar. In verse 3 of chapter 1 of Revelation, it says that everyone that reads this book, everyone that reads this prophecy, there is a built-in blessing. There's a blessing just to read it. So, so, so don't deny yourselves of any part of God's word. From Genesis to Revelation, read all of it. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a scientist. You don't have to be a theologian. You just read God's word, and there's a blessing just for the reading. It's like coming to worship service. There's a blessing just being here. It doesn't matter what your role is. Just being in the presence of God's people. 
Being in fellowship with the Lord in a congregation, there's just a built-in blessing. So please, please take advantage of that. It goes on to say down the latter part of uh, verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Over in 2 Thessalonians 3.13, it says, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in well-doing. I jumped over to 2 Thessalonians 3.13. It says, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in well-doing. I want to read something else. I want you to jump over to 1 Corinthians 15. And I want to read a couple of verses here in 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 51. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery. I know you guys are still looking for it, but that's okay. I, I want to read about five or six verses. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. That means that we won't all die physically before the Lord returns in the rapture, but it says that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Isn't that great? Isn't that what we're working for? Just to receive a glorified body, a body without pain, a body without cancer, a body without sorrow, a body without diabetes, a body without any sort of ailments or, or dis, discomforts, a body that is made new, a new body, a glorified body, this hybrid body that I like to call it, like what Jesus had, where he could still eat fish sandwiches, but yet still disappear and appear wherever he wanted. That's what I'm talking about. That beats anything Elon Musk can create. It beats going to Mars. It beats going to the moon. It beats civilians traveling in space. This is, this is what we're looking for, that, that moment where we are changed into his likeness and like him in physical form and spiritual form. It says in verse 53 of 1 Corinthians 15, For this perishable body, perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then we shall come to pass, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, it concludes, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I'm going to tell you, that should be exciting to you from the standpoint that you all should know that when you work for the Lord, it doesn't matter what your station is. doesn't matter what your rank is. doesn't matter what your abilities are. doesn't matter how many gifts you have. When you work for the Lord, to his glory, in your fullness, with all of your strength, with all of your might, with all of your effort, God rewards you maximally. doesn't matter. doesn't matter whether you travel seven continents and preach and teach all over the world or where you just live in your neighborhood and do the best you can to share with your neighbor or family. God rewards us the same. Isn't that great? I'm just blown away by that. I, I know, I know, I know we don't think about our reward in heaven a lot. 
And you don't hear a lot of sermons about heaven or hell. And that's unfortunate because this is not how the story ends. If you think he who dies with the most toys or the largest bank account or the most cars or the biggest house, if that person wins, if you think that, then you're totally mistaken. All of this stuff is perishable. It will all burn, including gold, titanium, platinum, silver. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you got and what you've accomplished and who you are. Your last name could be Kennedy, Rockefeller. It doesn't matter. It all ends. The only thing that remains are those things that we do in the name of Jesus for the Lord. Only what you do for Christ will last. Only the things that we do that are part of his will have eternal dividends and have eternal value. You all with me? I'm a, guess what? Here's the good news. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. That's right. So just hang with me. You don't even have time to get sleepy because I'm wrapping this thing up. <laughs> That's right. I'm wrapping it up. And I'm wrapping it up right here in Matthew 25. Layla, if you'll put Matthew 25 on the screen, here's what it says. For it will be like, what will be like? The kingdom of heaven, going to heaven, the kingdom of God. They're basically the same terms. This thing that we're striving for as saints every day to be like Jesus, to be glorified, to be saved. If we die, to be resurrected, to be reunited with our loved ones, to be with the Lord, see his face, face to face in peace. The Lord says here in Matthew, he gives us this beautiful illustration of how we make that happen. It says, for it will be like a man going on a journey. I love how the Lord uses parables. He uses parables because we're too, we're too dumb. We're too earthly. We're too worldly. We're, too, we're, we're just thick when it comes to trying to understand the things of God. We can't do it. So God uses these amazing illustrations not to insult our intelligence, but just to make sure that we get it. So get into parables because they're great. There are these amazing illustrations that take these deep, comprehensive, complicated, heavenly principles and put it in simple, plain, earthly terms and analogies or metaphors or similes that we can't understand. We can get it. I love object lessons. I'm just a simple kind of guy. Keep it basic. I like to just understand. Show me graphically. Show me an illustration, and then I can make that connection. That's what Jesus did. Amazing teaching technique. An amazing teaching technique, making the lesson real and applicable. Here's what he says. In verse 14 of Matthew 25, he called his servants and entrusted to them his property. <laughs> this is just so beautiful. He said, I want you to see three terms. This is going to amaze you a little bit. I hope it does. He says, watch this. It says, his own slaves, that word in the Hebrew, this word in the Greek is doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S. Doulos means servant or indentured servant or slave. It's not a bad term like slavery for blacks or Jews. It's a slave that is able to, A, buy his freedom, 
B has rights and privileges. C is treated like a part of the family or an employee and has the ability to be entrusted with a lot of responsibility. Remember when Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house back in Genesis? Remember what Potiphar did? He made him over everything. He had access and control and stewardship over everything in his household, including his finances. How many people give a slave by the typical definition that we work on every day? How many people give a slave that kind of responsibility? Most of us don't even trust our own relatives that much. I love you, but I ain't giving you my money. You can't handle my checkbook. Look at these three terms. It's just amazing. It says that he, he, he says his slaves or his servants... I prefer the word servant because I'm going to use that word here in a few seconds because servant is the word that the Lord uses when he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's still the word doulos in the Greek, but I like servant because slave simply has a sort of a negative connotation, especially when it comes to black people. You know, you start dropping that word slave, you're almost dropping the N-word. You know, don't, don't go there. So I'm not trying to change scripture but I'm just saying servant just seems to be a little more palatable for me because I personally, Will Robbins, I like serving. And servant seems to fit the definition. But it doesn't matter if you want to use slave or servant. It's not a derogatory term. That's what I'm really trying to say. Watch this as I wrap it up. He called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions the English Standard Version says property, his property. But watch this, it gets better. Next slide, please, next verse. And watch this. And it says, and he gave talents. Watch this. His servants, his property, his decision to give. Anything we got, anything we own, any accomplishments we made, any status that we've achieved, any personal accolades that we've accumulated, they are because of him. I love it when I see some guys on football games, college or pro. They do it in basketball, too. They even do it in tennis. I, saw, I was watching a soccer match the other day. Even the soccer guys, they score a goal, and look, they do this. Like, Lord, it's because of you. Now, I'm just, I'm just saying that. I don't know what they're saying. They could be saying, Mom, that's for you. Your, maybe your mother's gone to heaven or died or whatever. You know, they do this. I'm just, but I'm, I'm assuming in the most positive sense that they're saying, this is because of you, Lord. I give the glory to you. Well, in reality, whether they scored or not, because they could play, because they could run, because they were on the team, it's because of God. We are his property. We are his servants. Whatever we give, they're his gifts that he gives to us because of his mercy and his grace. You all with me? I told you I was almost done, and I'm serious. I'm getting there. Watch this. Watch this next verse. This is just so good. It just gets better and better as you move down this parable. It says he gave five talents to one, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Let me just say this, say, say this to you. 
Your abilities are given to you by God. We all don't have the same ability, but we all get the same reward. We all don't get the same gifts. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. There's several spiritual gifts, but we all get the same reward. We all don't have the same opportunities, but we get credited for using what we have to the best that we can. God does not penalize you because you have three talents and another guy has ten. He doesn't penalize you because you have a ministry where you travel around and the other guy is, is stationary. God doesn't penalize you because you can't sing, you can't preach, you can't play, you can't teach, you can't be a missionary, you can't do this or that. God doesn't penalize you for what you cannot do. What he penalizes us for is what we can do and don't do it. What we are able to do and we don't do it fully. If we're able to give 100% and we give 67, we're in trouble. I don't care how many talents or gifts you have. God holds us accountable for giving him our all. And here's one thing I love about this, this servant that had five. You may say, well, it's not fair. He got five. The Bible says he gave out talents or gifts according to their abilities. God never gives us more than we can bear. He never puts on us more than we have the ability to handle. It would be wrong for God to give a person five responsibilities and they only have the ability to handle two. He's setting them up for failure, right? Listen to what it says. And verse 16 said, He that received the five talents went at once. I love the NAS. It says, He that had the five talents immediately. I looked that word up in the Greek because I wanted to see just how Jesus was speaking to this audience that understood Koine Greek and what did they hear? They didn't just hear that he did it on the spot or instantly. They heard, actually let me just say what the Greek word is. The Greek word is, I put it in my notes, I didn't send it to you I don't think, but I put it in my notes, it's euthius. Here's why I took the Here's why I took the time to put that particular Greek word in my notes. Because we understand what a eulogy is, right? A eulogy is when you speak well of someone. The beginning suffix, the the beginning prefix, rather, of that word, euthius, E-U-T-H-E-O-S, euthios. In the Greek, it means not only that there was an urgency, but there was an enthusiasm. There was an eagerness. There was an excitement. There was an energy. What the Lord wants us to do is whatever you have, whatever gifts, whatever abilities, whatever talents, whatever skills you currently have, God wants you to use them now fully, energetically, enthusiastically, immediately, continually. Don't be weary and well-doing. I read that earlier. Don't stop because ain't nobody saying, attaboy. 
Don't stop because you're not getting props. Don't stop because you think no one appreciates you. Don't stop because you think your gift, your talent is too meager. It's too small. It's just two mites. People are dropping in C notes and I only have two cents. God judges us. God evaluates us on what we have, not what we don't have. I put in my notes that what's important is, I put in my notes, what's important is proportion, not portion. See, y'all didn't get that. So I'm going to say it again. It's not the portion that's important. It's the proportion. Portion is just the substance. The proportion is how much of that substance you turn over to the Lord. The, the, the guys, the, these slaves, servants, I prefer to refer to them as, receive varying amounts of talents. By the way, in the Greek society, a talent was a weight, a measurement of weight. It was a way to, uh, a unit of weight to determine the value of money. So a talent could be in bronze, a talent could be silver, a talent could be gold. The talent in and of itself is not the money. The talent is the weight that measures the money. So the denomination was a talent. And typically, a talent was made of silver. And if you had a talent, it was the equivalent, in most cases, in most societies, of 20 years of wages. It was a boatload of money. This, this master left these cats with a ton of money, and their job was to invest it, to use it for the master's good. And so what happened was the guy with the two talents and one talent and five talent, they had the responsibility to be good stewards and to create a return on investment. Hence the name of my sermon, Real Returns. That's a play on words. Real returns means the Lord is returning for real. And also, we need to make sure we have returns on his investment when he comes, lest we be left behind and punished the way the one servant that hid his talent in the ground and buried it. Didn't even put it in the bank for basic interest. That's just terrible. The Lord called him lazy. He, he, he had three terms. If you, if you combine the passages, you come away, you come away with three terms. None of them are good. He called them lazy. He called them wicked. Yeah, that's the one that kind of got me. He called them lazy, which is okay. I mean, you can sort of be a, a decent person and be lazy. I mean, but I don't, you know, don't, please, if you're lazy, don't hang around me because lazy people just, just bring you down. <laughs> right? No one wants to hang around a lazy person because you end up doing all the work. <laughs> you may be a good person, have a good heart, to be really cool, but if you're lazy like, dude, you're just, you're just making me work harder because you're not carrying your weight. So he called him lazy. 
he called them wicked, which means he was evil or sinful. But here's this other one. He said, dude, you're worthless. That's how the Lord referred to him. He said, you're lazy, you're worthless, and you're wicked. Those are not terms of endearment, guys. You can apply all the Greek and Hebrew you want. I can't find nothing positive about those words. <laughs> you can twist it and turn it and nuance it and sort of, uh, you know, skew it or tweak it. They are all negative terms. So here's the conclusion of the story, the conclusion of the account, this parable in Matthew 25. The master who represents the Lord. And by the way, I'm not giving you everything play by play because I put it in my notes and I gave you guys a sheet today that is an addendum to what I sent out via email Thursday. If you receive my notes via U.S. mail, you won't have these notes here. I'll send it to you with this week's mailing. But for those of you that received it via email, here's what I put in there, a legend. The legend defines the terms. So you'll understand how the parable works. I just basically deconstructed it for you so you get the meaning of what these things mean, what the kingdom of heaven is, what the talents were. By the way, and they didn't define talents the way we define talents. We define talents as a person with a special gift or ability. For them, a talent was money. Now, there are many people that are good with money, but it's not the same as what the, what the parable is talking about. It also talked about the rewards. And here's what I want to close the sermon with. When the master returned, all three men were brought forward for an accounting, a reckoning, as it were. And the one with five talents said, look, Lord, I have gained five more. The one with two talents said, look, Lord, I've gained two more. Here's all I want you to walk away with. These guys had different abilities. They had different talents. They had different gifts. One had more than twice as much as the other. But listen to this. Listen to the reward. This is just really cool. And I've talked about this before, but I want you to hear this again. Here was the reward. He said, his master said to him in verse 23 of Matthew 25, well done. Actually, we can just start in 21 because they're the exact same verse. Verse 21 of Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will make you ruler over many, over much. Isn't that good? I broke this down and I said, look at this commendation. This is just amazing to me. Well done. Well done means he described his attitude. Well done is more about attitude, aptitude, the spirit, the, the, just, the, just the approach that he came to the problem with. The Bible says that when he was given his instructions that he immediately went to work. Make sure your attitude is good. Don't just do the right thing begrudgingly and with, you know, and with some sort of attitude or reluctance or a nonchalance or indifference, make sure that if you're going to do work for the Lord, if you're going to serve him, have a good attitude. Either do it right and do it nicely or just don't do it. Don't be the kind of person that's always moaning and groaning and complaining and griping and whining. And people don't want to hear that. 
whether you're at work, at play, at school, wherever you are, have an attitude of positivity. If I'm going to do this task, if I'm going to do this work, and by the way, all work is for God. All of your, com the, the, com the complete combined total of who we are is our service to the Lord, not just the things that we so-called do in church. When I'm working on computers, I'm working on computers to the glory of the Lord. I want to fix that thing not only so that I get paid, although I'm interested in getting paid. <laughs> you don't pay me. I won't be here next time your computer breaks down. Can I get an amen, Marcus? I mean, hey, it ain't going to happen. So, yeah, I do want to get paid, but I don't want to just get paid because I've been stiffed a whole lot in my life. But you know what? My attitude is, Lord, may you get the glory from this. May they see you in me. May my work reflect your best. May my attitude reflect who you are. May I not do it with a bad attitude and a bad disposition and slow and late and not getting the product back on time and it's dirty, it's not right, it's not perfect. Lord, may everything we do, may it be just a profile of who you are. May it represent you, not just the work, but my attitude about the work. This guy, he said, well done. In other words, good attitude, good spirit, good energy, good response. You see that? Isn't that amazing? We're not just evaluated on the work. We're evaluated on how we do the work. God don't play. Y'all can fool me. Y'all can fool Beecham. You can fool Beecham a lot more than me, but you can't fool God. No, I'm just kidding. Remember, remember that thing? What was it, Captain Penny? You can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time, but you can't fool Mom. Well, I'm twisting that. You can't fool God none of the time. You can fool us all of the time, <laughs> but you can't fool God any of the time. Amen? He said, well done, my good and faithful. Is that word good? I won't get into the Greek on it, but let me just say this. The Bible says that in Luke 19, none is good but the Father. The rich young ruler said, good, ma good master. And the Lord said, why are you calling me good? Jesus said, why are you calling me good? In other words, that was a challenge. Like, do you even know what you're talking about? Do you even know what good means? None of us are intrinsically good. None of us are good by nature. None of us have just good DNA oozing out of our pores. We're only good. Any good you see in any of us is God. God is good. We're at best, we're at best neutral. We're really wicked. <laughs> I mean, we're actually what? Created. We were, we were born into sin, created in iniquity. We're just bad. You know how a little baby comes out and you say, oh, cute little baby, beautiful little new soul, just come to life, beautiful little. Well, right then, yes, but that little precious baby has all the ingredients and all the wherewithal to just be wicked. God has to save that kid one day when they reach the age of accountability, whatever that number is. But right then, we're born into sin. 
We're a sinner until God saves us. We're evil until God makes us over, until we become a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so he finally says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Faithful means consistent, trustworthy, reliable. Oh, man. These both guys, both guys had different results, got the same reward. Here's my Monday morning moments. I'm done. I went longer than I thought, but I, I, I wanted to just make sure I cleared, made that point clear. Here's, I have not one, not two. I have three Monday morning moments. Good grief. I know. Sister Ethel just said, Pastor Will, we can't even remember one of them. Well, I'm giving you three today. One for the Father, one for the Son, <laughs> and one for the Holy Ghost. Here it goes. My Monday morning moment, I hope you'll remember this tomorrow. Don't grow weary in well-doing. That's pretty simple, because that's scripture. Don't grow weary. Be fruitful. Be faithful. Amen? Here's the other Monday morning moment. We are not all equal in talent but we can all be equal in effort. I'm actually kind of proud of that one. We're not all equal in talent, but boy, oh boy, you should have an attitude. I may not have all the gifts and abilities and talents of the next guy, but I ain't gonna let nobody outwork me. I can bring an A effort. I can bring a top level effort. I can give my all. I can be the best C student there is. I, don't, I may not have A capabilities, but I tell you, as a C student, you're not going to outwork me. Amen? And then finally, the last, uh, the last Monday morning moment is we're not only saved from sin, but we're saved to service. In other words, we have a role. We have a, we have a purpose. We have a job. God wants us to be busy. He wants us to do something. We have, a, we have a, 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 a responsibility to make sure that we're ready when Jesus comes. And you can't go on cruise control. You can't go on autopilot. We have to be about his business, doing what we can, living right, acting right, talking right, being kind, acts of kindness, helping, serving, submitting, being a peacemakers, being work, uh, people of, of grace and salt where we're seasoning lives with the Lord's presence. Just making a difference. You don't have to travel the world. You don't have to have a ministry, quote unquote. You don't have to have a megaphone or a website or a podcast. All you need is a spirit that says, Lord, here am I, use me. I will give you my best. I'll serve you at work. I'll serve you at home. I'll serve you with my family. I'll serve you in the neighborhood. I will be a light. I will be witness. I will be salt. I will make sure that I represent you in the highest caliber all the time, every time. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this message. Thank you for this time. Lord, may you be glorified in our service today.
May your people be edified. May we do those things that are always pleasing in your sight so that you may say and we may hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Rod, just come on up and just, if you just want to pray, you want to just give um, a testimony, or if you just want to have any comments on the words, or if the Lord gave you a thought that you just want to share with us, why don't you just come on up at this time, and then um, we'll, um, we'll have our closing hymn. Okay.